Morning, church. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 7 through 10 this morning. And first off, I would just like to say thank y'all. Uh, this is probably the last time I'll get to preach uh, to y'all, and y'all have been nothing but just a tremendous blessing uh, to me, each and every one of y'all, through discipling me, showing me uh, more of who Jesus is, and I can't thank y'all enough. Um, so let me pray for us real quick uh, before we get into the scripture, and uh, then I'll read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, I uh, pray that you can speak through me uh, and that your scripture can pierce the hearts of this congregation, God. And I just pray you can be with us, uh, that you can love us, uh, and that you can help us know who you are more uh, through these verses, and we can become closer to you through that. Amen, Father, amen. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger to Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Horatio Spofford knew something about life's unexpected changes. He was a successful attorney, a real estate investor who lost a fortune in the Great Chicago Fire in 1871. Around that same time, his beloved four-year-old son died from the scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four children uh, to a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing uh, businesses at home. However, while he was crossing the Atlantic, as they were crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision, and it sunk. More than 200 people died that day, including all four of Horatio Spofford's precious daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy, and among, in, among arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband, and it began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England, and at one point, his voyage, uh, the captain of the ship was aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spofford family. Summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the spot where the crash had happened. And as as Horatio thought about his daughters, and words of comfort and hope filled his heart and mind, and he wrote them down. And today is a well-known, beloved hymn. And it goes like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. See, this story is so heartbreaking. This family, this family of, of, they died, uh, the loss of money. um, And there was plenty of other trials that went on through uh, Horatio. But he realized that God will always be there with him. He knew that it was well with his soul. See, he could have been angry at God. He could have questioned God. But instead, he leans into the grace of God so he can endure those trials. And and just like that man, Christians suffer every single day. And today we'll talk about three reasons why God will put a thorn in our side. 
And the first reason why God will put a thorn in our side is to keep us humble. We often uh, times think that, uh, that we're just way too high. We think of ourselves that we don't deserve the trials that God gives us. But God loves to weaken his people so, he can, so we can experience his grace and power. So a little bit of context in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, it, Paul is defending his apostolic ministry. So there was these people in the Corinthian church, and they were telling the church of Corinthian that, hey, this guy named Paul, he necessarily isn't an apostle. See, I'm this super apostle. I have these superpowers. I see, have these supervisions of myself. So they are called these super apostles that Paul says. But Paul says, hey, if you want to compare credentials here, I have way more credentials than you. See, I've seen the risen Jesus. I know the Bible super well. See, I have seen visions so unspeakable, so incomprehensible that I can't even utter a word of how to describe it. But Paul didn't want to brag about his credentials, but instead he wanted to brag about his weaknesses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 30, he says, If I must boast, I will boast of things that show my weakness. And then in the passage we're studying today, 7 through 10, chapter 12, Paul says that he wants to show his weaknesses because it brings God glory. So as Paul was describing these visions from from heaven, he's telling the church in verse 7 that, that because of all the credentials he has, because of all the visions he has, he is so susceptible to pride, to fall into pride. And what God does is he gives Paul a thorn. Look in verse 7. It says, it says if, uh, to keep me from being conceited, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. So, so what happened was is God put a thorn in Paul's flesh. And what this thorn is, it can be anything. It can be anything, any type of infliction that is caused on your life. So not only does Paul have thorns in his life, we all have thorns in our lives as well. So, for example, a thorn could be health issues. A thorn could be persecutions. It could be speech problems. It could be depression. The list could go on. And just like Paul, we all have thorns in our flesh. There's a lot of us who have health issues. There's a lot of us who have anxiety. There's a lot of us who have depression, speech problems, and a little bit of all those issues. And those things become thorns in our flesh because they're constantly irritating us. Everywhere we move, we are constantly reminded by the thorn. The Greek word for thorn is described as like a splinter. That that everywhere you move, say if you have a splinter in your hand, every time you touch something, you are reminded of the splinter you have in your hand. Just as if you have a thorn in your flesh, you are reminded every single day of this thing that is so hard. But God gives you this thorn to humble you, to to help you rely on him, to help you hold fast to God. See, without humility, we can't do anything with Christ. We can't do anything. So God graciously gives us this thorn. And if we think we can do things without Christ, then that means that God will put us to shame by the power of his grace to the humble. It says in James chapter 4, verses 6, he says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So God gives grace to the humble. 
We look at our thorns and we realize that it's actually truly benefiting us. That there's nothing better than the thorn because it's truly drawing us closer to Him. It's helping us humbly coming to Him in prayer. As our physical conditions can seem so unbearable, as life throws wrenches in your life, maybe it's to get you to rely on God more. Maybe you can't get around like you used to. Maybe you find yourself more anxious than ever. Maybe your schedule is so busy now because of life's drastic changes that you don't even know how you're going to make it through next week. Well, those thorns, the things that seem so impossible, is for your good. Remember that this humbles you, and God gives grace to the humble. It brings you closer to Him and sanctifies you all the more. And we can trust that our thorn is good because of God's sovereign will. Look in verse 7. It says, So to keep me from becoming conceited for the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. So a thorn was given to him. So the question is, who is at work here? Is it God? Is it Satan? Or are they both at work? And I would tell you, they are both at work. Not that it's Satan and God are at the, on the same team, but that through Satan's evil work, God uses his work for his glory. And he uses it for his good. I mean, we see this all throughout Scripture. We see this as Satan, what he wants us to do, what he wants us to do is become bitter with our situations. He wants us to curse God. He wants us to ask God, why would he ever do this to us? He wants us to run the opposite direction of God. But God is in control of all things. I mean, through Scripture, we see this as Job was suffering. God allowed Job to suffer through allowing Satan to give him suffering. But what ended up happening is Job ended up becoming closer to God, never cursing God, bringing more glory and honor to God. And I think the clearest, biggest example is the cross. That God allowed Satan to put Jesus on the cross. That, that through it all, it seemed like Satan had won by destroying our only chance for salvation. But through Satan's demise, the cross was actually something he used for his glory. That this was predestined before the foundations of the world. As Satan thought he was winning, God knew all along that it would be for the atonement of our sins. That the wrath of God would pour onto Jesus for our sins to be paid for. So as Satan thought he was winning, God used his glory for Satan's demise. And not only through the cross for our sins, but he also defeated death by raising from the grave three days later. See, even as Satan is at his most masterful work, God puts to shame his work with his most beautiful work, his saving and sanctifying his people and receiving his glory. I mean, we see it in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So your thorn on your side that you might not be able to recognize why it's happening to you right now is actually bringing you closer to him. Actually bringing you to a right posture to God, which is humility. And God assures us that these thorns, that there's a way out. 
Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. God will give you these trials that seem so imaginable, so unbearable to overcome. That if, Say if you were looking in your future and you see that the trials that you're going to experience, and you say, how would I ever be able to experience that? But at the right time, God gives you the grace to endure those things. And those trials will end up making you more satisfied in Him than satisfied in the world. And not only does God give us a thorn because of his sovereign will so that we might not be full of conceit and full of pride, but he also gives us this thorn so his power is perfected in our weakness. And that leads me to my second point, that God will put a thorn in our side so his power is perfected in our weakness. Look in verse 8. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So what Paul is saying is is that he's praying to God that this thorn would leave him. And the thing is, as we look into the scripture, as we still notice that God is sovereign, it is okay that we still pray for our trials. We should actually pray to God for our trials. See, uh, it is okay because one, it puts us in a posture of humility that we're actually praying to God saying He's the only one that can deliver us from this thorn. He is the only one. So we go to Him saying, Lord, please take this away from me. That is a posture of humility. And two is that God enacts His power through prayer. He enacts His power through prayer. So even though that God is sovereign, that He knows all things, that He knows the future, He will enact His power through our prayer. So we should pray without ceasing is if something hurts in your body, if you're going through something, power, or or prayer is, is actually powerful. It points us to submission to God and God's power acts in our prayer. So Paul was begging and pleading to God to take the thorn out. God responds like this in verse 9. He says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul saying now, he says, therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Even though God isn't going to take the thorn out, God's grace is sufficient for Paul. That even though Paul is so weak, God is so gracious to still use Paul through his power. And John Piper said this, He says, in other words, Jesus says, Paul, this thorn, this messenger of Satan is going to weaken you in such a way that if you have any power, it will have to be the power of grace. This means that what's going on here is not merely a granting of unspeakable revelations, not merely a prevention of pride, not merely the shaming of Satan, but the perfecting of manifestation of the power and grace of Christ. Paul sees that, he understands now that his body and his soul are being made the theater of a drama of Satan's shame and Christ's glory. How will he respond? So as John Piper said, as he said, how will Paul respond? As his body and spirit are made up as a theater for Satan's shame and Christ's glory, 
The question is, how will you respond? How will you respond when the trials of your thoughts is to give glory to God? And I think we have to respond as Paul says. And he says, he says that I will boast about all my weaknesses more gladly because the power of Christ may rest upon me. We are all weak. So let us boast about our weaknesses. Let the power of Christ reside in us. See, and this is something that I see a thorn in myself is public speaking. That I have sometimes problems stuttering with people, uh, stuttering, as right now. <laughs> uh, sometimes I have uh, phrase, I say phrasings wrong. Um, sometimes I have bad stage fright. And yet somehow, God has given me a desire to preach. I don't know how, I don't know why, but he has given me this desire. And when I first started teaching in the youth in high school, my voice was very shaky. I stuttered a little. I was nervous. I talked extremely fast. The list goes on. I phrased things super unclearly. And I used to hate that about myself. I really did. I used to genuinely hate that I had speaking problems. But the more I started to preach and teach, the more I started to realize that because of my weaknesses, it caused me to pray more to God. It it caused me to humbly go to him, to rely on him more than the skill that I would have. So the thing is, is now I'm thankful for this thorn. I'm super thankful for this thorn because I can rely on the grace of God helping me endure the trial that I do have. But on the flip side of that, now I see myself sometimes with a little inch of skill that I do have from preaching and teaching through the experience, through also going to school, that sometimes, slowly, I'm actually relying less on, on God's grace to able to endure this trial and more towards my skill. And I have to repent and believe in that. I have to repent and believe that Christ is the only one that can get me through this. So, with these trials, we have to realize that, that His grace is better than our skill. His grace will help us endure the things that we go through. And the work of Christ isn't for, or the work we do is for Christ. It's not for us to be seen. When Christ's power is perfected in our weakness, he is glorified. And that leads me to my third point. That God will put a thorn in our side so he can be glorified. We have to let God be God here. See, God is not only glorified by the thorn he removes from us, but he's also glorified by the suffering and weakness we have. But yet, we're able to endure it by the grace he gives us. Look in verses 9 and 10. He says, this is God talking, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Therefore, I will boast more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness. I am content with insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am am weak, then I am strong. See, God is glorified through all of our weaknesses. And it brings Him glory. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay that it brings God glory through our weaknesses, through our trials. See, we exist to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. 
If you look at your bulletins today, it will say that. It'll say, we exist to glorify God and enjoy Him forever by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. We are created to glorify and enjoy Him. That's what we are created to do. That is what we're created for. It's simply to glorify Him, to enjoy Him forever. And we can enjoy Him through our suffering because Christ gives us the grace to endure the suffering. Your thorn that is in your body that's not healing the way you want it to. Your crippling, crippling anxiety, your lack of being able to speak in front of people well. is something God has allowed you to have to bring more glory to Him. If our weaknesses cause us to bring honor and glory to Christ, and so be it. And even so, we will be more satisfied in our suffering. Because Paul says this, it says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul is basically saying here that this thorn, with this thorn, I am actually better off. I'm better off. I end up enjoying God even more because through suffering, I have to rely on Christ more. And through me relying on Christ more, I am strong through Him. And with me being strong through Him, I will be able to enjoy life more because Christ is near. And we're all created to enjoy the things of godliness more than the things of the world and our own self-reliance. So we enjoy God more in our suffering because God is near us. We are created to glorify Him, and when we glorify Him, we are all satisfied in Him. So through your suffering, you can enjoy God more than through your reliance of your own self and of the world. There's more satisfaction in our suffering than our sin. So Christ is not only glorified through your suffering, but he's also through suffering that you can enjoy God even more so. And in the situation when you are in suffering, when you truly are in suffering, a lot of times what we do is we say, oh, if this is just over, then I will be satisfied. If, if I can get through my, uh, I don't know, just speaking in public, if I can get through this sermon, uh, I will be more satisfied. If I can get through this heartache, I will be more satisfied. If I can get through this crying baby crying all the time, I will be more satisfied. But the truth is, is that's not what's going to give us assurance. What gives us assurance is that God is in control. God is completely in control of everything. And, and if he wasn't in control, then we're in trouble. We're truly in trouble. Because if he isn't in control of anything, then who can help us? Who can truly help us if he's not in control of all of our thorns and all of our suffering? Because if he's not, then it's just our, his hands are up. Oh, well, you have that. I can't help you. I can't give you the grace that you need. If he's truly in control, then that should give us assurance that everything is going to be okay. And thankfully, we have a God who is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He gives us sufferings to draw us closer to him. Even as sufferings can be hard, we have to remember that God's grace is sufficient for us. His power is perfected in our weakness. So let us boast about our weaknesses. Let us boast gladly about them so that the power of Christ may rest upon us. And whatever this awful thorn you're going through, because I know everyone has something. Everyone has a trial. Everyone has an affliction. 
We can look to Christ. We can look to Christ who took on a thorn that was so incomprehensible. A thorn that caused Jesus to bear all the sins of the world and and die a gruesome death. Before Jesus' death, he was sweating blood. He was so anxious to go to the cross because he was going to have to bear all the sins of all of our of the all the sins of the world. All of it. And he went to the cross and he took it all. He took it all. I mean, every bit of our sin, the past, the present, the future. And if you repent and believe of your sins, he has bought you and you are made clean as he is. He took on the thorn. And not only that, but with his death, he robbed the grave by resurrecting again three days later. So let us pick up our cross. Let us pick up our cross and follow him and be comforted in his suffering. Our true comfort is the gospel that we can be forgiven through the cross of Christ and his resurrection. We can truly be forgiven. And then one day we will be risen with him and he will wipe all of our tears away. There will be no more suffering. Repent and believe of your sins because what Christ has done on the cross. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are. I, pr- I thank you for the thorns you give us so that we can weaken ourselves, that we can become humble to you, God. Give us grace for the trials that we endure. Let us come closer to you, Lord. Let us enjoy you even more. Let us enjoy you to the point where we pray for suffering so we can be weak for you, that your power can be made perfect in our weakness, that you can use us even through our weaknesses, God. In the name of Father, amen.